I'm Laura Palmer, host of Island Crime. Season six, Sweethearts, is the story of three teenage girls who were all murdered in Victoria, Canada within about 12 months. So she was scared, something out there scared her. You've just created the playground where predators can really thrive. She was a 16-year-old girl. She was a sweetheart. Listen to Sweethearts at FrequencyPodcastNetwork.com or wherever you get podcasts. Find your frequency. You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production in association with City News. This week has been full of surprises for the mayors of Ontario's two biggest cities, Premier Doug Ford recently announced plans to give additional U.S.-style powers to Toronto Mayor John Tory and Ottawa Mayor Jim Watson. Now, this isn't the first time Ford has used his office to influence politics in these cities. And while many on council don't like it, it doesn't seem likely that they'll be able to do much about it. So what do the new powers mean exactly? Will the expanded powers give these mayors the ability to tackle some of the most pressing issues facing their municipalities? Or will the move just lead to an erosion of democracy in some of Canada's biggest cities, further disenfranchising residents who already don't feel their voices are heard? Hi, my name is Takara Small, sitting in for Jordan Heath-Rawlings, and this is The Big Story. Today, I'm chatting with Ben Spur, the City Hall reporter for the Toronto Star. Hi, Ben. Hi there. I'm happy you're with us because a lot has happened over the last week, and I'm glad we have someone with your expertise to break it down for us. First question, I'm going to start with the basics. Doug Ford, Premier of Ontario. This week, he announced he wants to expand the powers that the mayors of Ottawa and Toronto already have. Can you explain to myself and to listeners um, what the power these mayors held beforehand and what it is they could potentially have in their, at their disposal. Right. So um, unlike uh, many major U.S. cities, uh, Toronto and other municipalities in Ontario have what's often uh, referred to as a weak mayor system, um, which means that the mayor has certain powers, uh, like the ability to, to appoint councillors to important committees and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, he's just one vote on, on council. And in Toronto, there are 25 other council members. So uh, the mayor at the moment, John Tory, he's just one vote out of 26. Um, so that means to to get anything done, he needs to be able to build coalitions with other councillors and, and have a majority of them vote for, for policies at council. And what the province is planning to do, um, the details are still a little bit sparse, but but what mm-hmm. we do know um, this week is that uh, the provincial government is proposing to give the mayor veto power over councils. So um, meaning he could basically override uh, decisions made by a majority of councillors. Uh, they would, uh, councillors would have to cobble together a two-thirds majority to, to overrule the mayor's veto. So um, they would just basically let the mayor act more unilaterally uh, without always having to uh, secure majority support uh, from other council members. That's very interesting. Uh, So many thoughts on that. Has something like this ever happened before? Is this entirely unprecedented? 
actually, there's a pretty direct precedent for this um, back in 2018. Uh, the uh, Premier Ford, uh, newly elected at that point, made a dramatic uh, surprise, uh, shocking, controversial uh, to many people at the, at the city decision to uh, slash the number of city councillors. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the, uh, Toronto had actually spent a lot of time uh, trying to a- add more councillors because it's a growing city. They were going to um, have 47 uh, council members, but months before the election was going to take place about the same time uh, this year, back in 2018, he slashed the numbers from, from 47 councillors to 25. Uh, and, and again, uh, very similar timing. It was uh, just months away from, from the election as, as this uh, strong mayor change would be. Uh, nominations for the election were already open. So uh, the election was basically underway. Uh, and so in, in both cases, uh, the, the moves came as uh, something of a surprise and, and, uh, and shook up uh, city council um, pretty dramatically. And can the premier do this on his own? Is Does he require approval from anyone? I, I know with the example you just shared that there was pushback, although the decision did stand. Can Ford just do this? Yes, but the short answer is yes. Um, the 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 term that uh, we like to use commonly now is is uh, that the city is basically a creature of the province. It means it's governed by provincial legislation. If the, the province wants to to change that legislation, it can. Um, the uh, the city, uh, in the case of the the change last time around of slashing the size of council, um, the city actually challenged uh, that move legally. It, it was a fight that went all the way to the Supreme Court, and and uh, the city lost. So. Uh, yeah, so the, the province has a lot of uh, power over how the city is run. Okay, so this is not unprecedented. Um, Ford has the power to do this. What are these new powers meant to achieve? So there was a, a bit of a mixed message from the from the province this week. Uh, the Minister of Municipal, uh, Municipal Affairs um, said that the, the strong mayor system would uh, help uh, allow the city government to move faster to address problems like the housing crisis. The Premier himself uh, offered kind of more general rationale, just saying that the mayor is held accountable for city decisions, but under the current system, he doesn't have complete control over them. So uh, the, the mayor should be able to have greater hand in, in what the city does. I, I think it's fair to say just as, as well that you know the premier Doug Ford for for years he, he has kind of talked about this although it wasn't a part of his election campaign he has uh, written in in, uh, in his book that he put out a couple of years ago and as just uh, in, in other comments that he's made he believes that the um, that the mayor of Toronto should have more power he, he his time at city council here he described it as, as very inefficient um, you know to he did get necessarily along with all the other councillors around him uh, and so I think he he has just I, I think a genuine idea that that the city should operate more like a like a company with, uh, you know, the mayor being like a CEO who can kind of get things done uh, quickly. And so you mentioned that in the past, Ford has, has described City Hall as inefficient. I'm wondering what the response has been to this. I know in your recent column, uh, you mentioned that this could limit or weaken the power of progressive councillors. So what are people saying? So I think there's been a reaction, uh, you know, from from some at City Hall, particularly from people who, of course, uh, are critics of Tory who don't necessarily want to see him get more power, uh, who who oppose this plan. But I mean, one of the things that that uh, they raise is that. First of all, there's no consultation on this. You know, this wasn't something the, the premier ran on uh, in the most recent election. Um, so, you know, there hasn't been a lot of public discussion about it. it. Doesn't seem to have been any formal consultation with the city. 
And um, people who oppose the plan say that it would basically strip local representatives of their power, right? If they can get um, overruled by by the mayor, then they have less say. And that means that their constituents who rely on local councillors to advance, you know, their interests that are very uh, close to them, you know, the city government is very involved in people's day-to-day lives. Um, so without that local councillor voice, then residents have less of a voice and therefore it's kind of a, a weakening of, of democracy. I, I think the other kind of interesting political angle here. Uh, and it's hard, tough to say how much this played into the, the premier's uh, calculus on this decision. But um, Mayor John Tory is, is almost almost running unopposed at the moment. I mean, there, there are some challengers, but they're not very high profile challengers. Um, but uh, interestingly, there are a lot of empty council seats coming up in this election. So the, the progressive left uh, who kind of want to oppose John Tory, who's kind of a more center right mayor, their plan had been to uh, kind of pick up those empty council seats and then kind of be able to keep a check on the mayor uh, that way. But mm. if uh, councillors now have less of a say in a strong mayor system, then that means that uh, those council seats matter much less. And therefore, uh, progressive uh, forces at City Hall have uh, less ability to uh, you know, wield influence. Right. And you did just mention the election. Do you think this will uh, have an impact on how voters, um, you know, behave in the or vote or you know, any political ramifications? It's, it's tough to say, right? I mean, for people like myself, who's a city hall journalist, this is like big news, right? But yeah. for your average voter, um, you know, it, I'm not sure that this is uh, clear to them what this change means. And, you know, in voter engagements, in any case, at municipal elections is fairly low. So um, it's tough to say if this will really play in, into things. I, I think, you know, you could conceivably see that. I think there's been this idea that, uh, you know, Tory is a pretty popular mayor. It's hard to mount a challenge against him. This kind of raises the stakes. So I wonder if maybe someone who had been thinking of, of uh, giving him a, a free pass this time around might want to jump into the race this time because just the stakes are so much higher. Um, but um, again, this change is coming pretty late in the game, 100 yeah. days before yeah. uh, the municipal election. So not a lot of time for anyone to kind of put together a, a powerful campaign that could mount any kind of real challenge. You know, I must confess, I was slightly surprised that John Tory was seeking another term. I mean, just the last two years and, you know, in addition to the pandemic, it's been, it, from the outside, it appears it's been quite challenging. I mean, there have been protests outside his home um, do we know why he's seeking re-election? Do we know what his motives are? Do we know if there um, were any concerns about running? Um, you know, uh, Tory told my colleague uh, David Ryder back in March um, that he had decided to run again because he wanted to protect the gains he'd made in his first two terms on on files like transit and housing and and uh, kind of bringing the city together after a pretty tumultuous four years under his uh, predecessor uh, Rob Ford. Um, but I think it's also fair to say the pandemic has probably played a role. You know, dealing with COVID has taken up so much of City Hall's resources this past term, and I mm-hmm. think the mayor would probably like to be able to to vote sometimes to some other files in, in, a, in a new term. And, and also, to be honest with you, he, he seems to, to really love the job. You know, he, he is popular right now, according, according to polls. Um, his early political pr- career at the provincial level was was marked by, you know, election losses. And now yes, he's, a, he's yeah. a, you know, a popular mayor of, of a big city. And he genuinely, you know, seems to enjoy going out every day and meeting with people and, and being the face of Toronto. So 
So, you know, if uh, there's not a strong challenger uh, coming to, to, to try to take the job from him, you know, I can understand perhaps what he just wanted to say, hey, I'll give it another, you know, four years. You know, that's a really great, a really great point. He's experienced a couple losses um, when he ran, you know, for higher office and as the mayor of a very influential city, it's not a bad job to have at all. Yeah, yeah, I think he he definitely is basking in the uh, in the uh, support that he that he feels now, and um, yeah, just uh, like there are some politicians I feel who don't don't love the kind of handshaking aspect of the job and that kind of thing, and, but he he really does seem to to enjoy getting involved in that kind of thing. My name is John Cullen, and I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and curling. It's the story of Broomgate, how a single broom, yes, a broom, turned friends into foes and almost killed the 500-year-old sport of curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate, available now. So let's switch tracks a little bit. Let's talk about challengers. Um, as you mentioned, there aren't too many household names that are running against Tory, but there is one that's kind of stood out to me, and that's Gil Penalosa. So he's a candidate um, who's running against Tory. Uh, you've actually written about him before. What do we know? So yeah, so Gil Penalosa, he's um, uh, pretty well known in, in uh, urbanist circles, and uh, you know he's someone who thinks a lot about how to make cities better. Um, he's originally from Colombia um, and uh, used to serve as the uh, parks commissioner in Bogota. Uh, and th- th- in that city, uh, he he uh, built a lot of parks. He kind of expanded um, public spaces there, g- gave over streets to uh, to cyclists and pedestrians, and uh, it- it's kind of this, uh, this interesting thing where. Where the uh, that model has kind of been expanded ar- ar- around the world. He's kind of spent the last uh, couple of decades kind of evangelizing for you know better public space around the world, and he's kind of well known for that in Toronto. Um, he's been here for the last twenty years or so, um, and uh, but he, he doesn't have a, a large kind of political organization a- around him, as far as I can tell. So far, it's just a kind of volunteer campaign. Doesn't appear to have say like the kind of uh, NDP uh, operators kind of working for him behind the scenes, which you might expect to challenge a, a kind of more conservative mayor um but he's uh, an interesting guy with uh, an interesting backstory for sure and um some uh, interesting ideas i think you've you know quite accurately illustrated the tough road to victory that's ahead of him he doesn't have some of perhaps the additional resources that others would have mm-hmm. are, are there any other candidates who have caught your attention so far um, well, it's kind of interesting, I think, uh, given the sort of lack of uh, competitiveness at the um, uh, mayoral level, I think some of the council races are going to be really interesting. A woman named Siri Agro, she's a, a former mayoral staffer for Tory, who's uh, running against one of uh, the mayor's biggest council foes, a councilor named Gord Perks in Parkdale High Park. So that'll be kind of an interesting proxy war, I think, um, to watch. Um, we have uh, Christopher Mamaliti, who's the son of uh, a former uh, councillor, Giorgio Mamaliti, who's pretty famous at Toronto City Hall, uh, a very colourful character, famous for taking his shirt off in the council chamber, among other things. Um, uh, his son is running uh, in Humber River, Black Creek. He says he'll be a, a toned-down version of his father, so that'll be interesting to watch. Uh, and then we have people like Alejandra Bravo, who's running in, in the Davenport Ward. She ran for the NDP in the last federal election and lost by, like, literally dozens of votes uh and she's run three times for council before 
and lost very narrowly each time. So she's running again. And uh, I guess hoping that, you know, the fifth time is the charm here. Um, but uh, so those are some of the races I'll be watching locally. And overall, are there any issues that you maybe feel or believe will be the defining topic of this race? I, I mean, Toronto is dealing with a lot. I mean, public transit, housing, climate change. Yeah, I think it's tough to predict. You know, sometimes campaigns throw up um, unexpected issues um, and, and sometimes news breaks that uh, kind of changes um, what uh, voters are thinking about. Um, you know, a lot of the, the challenges that uh, the city is facing in terms of things like inflation and childcare, uh, even public transit, to some extent, is, is kind of the responsibility of um, other levels of, of government. Um, but I think uh, one that's top of mind for everybody right now is housing. I think that's mm-hmm. going to be a big, uh, big issue for sure. And it's interesting, too, that this idea of kind of like basic city services has become a bit of a talking point. Again, not sure how many voters will kind of take that up as their main issue, but um, there's been a bit of controversy this year of the state of uh, Toronto parks with uh, city fountains and public washrooms being shut down and closed uh, until well after um, the weather was warmer, people were out and about. And for some, I think that's kind of symbolic of um, the city is sort of falling into decline uh, and, uh, you know, failing to provide basic basic services that, that make the, the city a nice place to live. Um, and I think that will maybe be, a, be a, a talking point. Follow up to that. What is the reason behind that? I mean, I, I'm not going to argue about whether or not the city has fallen into decline, but for some of the issues you just mentioned, like what what is causing this? Like what are the reasons behind perhaps water fountains not working or park upkeep not perhaps meeting the expectations of locals? What is behind it? Yeah, I mean, so when Tory was first asked about this, he, he kind of gave an explanation that was maybe technically correct that, you know, the, the pipes freeze over the winter and then you have to wait till there's not going to be any freezing. So then you have to wait until a certain date in the year to be sure that you can turn them on safely. And it takes some time to do that. And the crews have to go all over the city, et cetera, et cetera. So maybe it makes sense. But um, I just think there is some frustration from residents of just like, why can't the city figure out this stuff? It, it kind of seems like other... You you know, Toronto, we love to compare ourselves to other global cities and kind of say we that do. other cities <laughs> seem to be, yeah, other cities seem to figure out this stuff, these like little things that, that, you know, maybe not seem that important, but actually kind of make the city uh, an enjoyable and, and more livable place. And why can't we figure that out? Um, and um, so, yeah, I think it's been an interesting kind of touchstone of, um, and, and there are other issues too of kind of like, public garbage bins not being collected or being left into disrepair. People get really upset about it. And it's just kind of this, this um, you know, seems to be some roadblock of like, why can't the city figure this stuff out? When we started our conversation talking about the new expanded mayoral powers, so I think it makes sense to end with that as well. What do you think the city will look like under Tory or say someone like Penalosa? Yeah, I think that would be interesting. You know, it'd be really interesting to see whether the mayor, if he's reelected, John Tory, if he actually, you know, has these strong mayor powers, how he uses them. Because I think there's been a criticism of him that he's been kind of too incremental, has failed to to kind of think big, uh, make any bold moves. Um, He's always kind of uh, trying to build consensus and that kind of thing. But, you know, I think at some point with a city that's growing like Toronto, that has all these challenges facing it, I think there's a sense among voters um, that we need some some kind of bold move. So, um, you know, I think you'd be looking to see whether Tory 
does do things that, you know, uh, uh, mean that more housing gets built in neighborhoods where, you know, local residents oppose it. If, if he kind of rams through housing proposals and is prepared to get the blowback from, from residents who, who don't like that kind of thing. Um, you know, he's, uh, been, uh, sticking to, uh, low tax increases, uh, increases that stick to the rate of inflation. People say that leads to things like basic city services not being, um, able to, to function properly. So I think it'd be interesting to see, um, whether a strong mayor, you know, uh, takes the the opportunity to to maybe make an unpopular decision, uh, like like raise t- taxes a bit more if it means that it will pay for a lot more things. As I say, Penulosa is a bit of a, of a wild card. He's never been in public office before, uh, an elected public office that is. So it's difficult to say how he would exercise that. But I think it'd be really interesting, um, you know, to see in this strong mayor system and then a mayoral upset to have some new cha- newcomer. Um, actually win, it'd be uh, really unprecedented and uh, really uh, fascinating to watch uh, a a rookie uh, mayor come in and suddenly have expanded powers. You know, I could talk to you about this all day. I do have just one more question and then I swear Mm -hmm. that's it. Um, So the the new expanded mayoral powers, is that a done deal? Because when Ford, um, you know, invokes the notwithstanding cause to limit city council seats, there was pushback. There was court action push to try and prevent that from happening, but it didn't didn't go forward or wasn't successful. So is this also just pretty much it's a reality? I, I think it's it's tough to see how it would be blocked. We again we haven't seen the full details, so so it's not totally sure. You know, we're not totally sure what exact changes the province would make here. But mm-hmm. as I said before, they do have the power to do it, and I expect that there'll be a little less pushback to to this idea than there was to to cutting council because um, that that decision really threw a lot of people into disarray because council uh, candidates had already registered for races in wards that suddenly didn't exist. So you had people who had been you know, campaigning and door knocking and printing up flyers and all this kind of thing, um, uh, who, who suddenly were not, uh, running for the seat that they were running, that they thought they were running for anymore. Uh, so that caused kind of widespread, um, chaos among, among candidates. This is a bit of a, a smaller change in that it would, you know, I think have a significant impact on the way that city hall is governed, but it, it really only changes the, the mayor's job and, and counselors who do get, get elected. So I, I expect it's, uh, there'll be less of blowback to the, to the premier on this one. And I think we can ex- expect uh, the strong mayor plan to, to go through. Well, thank you so much, Ben, for breaking all of this down. I know I appreciate it and I'm sure our listeners will as well. Thanks again. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Ben Spurs, City Hall reporter for the Toronto Star. And you've been listening to The Big Story. For more, head to thebigstorypodcast.ca. You can find us on Twitter at thebigstoryfpn. Talk to us anytime via email at hello at thebigstorypodcast.ca or just give us a call at 416-935-5935. I'm Jakara Small, sitting in for Jordan Heath Rawlings this week. Thank you for coming along this ride with me. I hope you enjoyed and learned something. Jordan will be back at the mic on Monday. Bye.